It's Tuesday at 8pm and you're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Good evening and you're very welcome to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and for tonight's programme we're heading to Northern Ireland to find out how a trio of local food and drink heroes are approaching the current challenges that are being faced by everyone around the world. First up, I'll be talking to Laura Bradley from Indie Food, an independent deli and online store with outlets in Comber and Belfast, where you can buy wholly Irish small batch artisanal food and drink. Then we will be visiting County Down to talk to Donal Farrell from Mourndew Distillery. And finally, back in Belfast, we'll hear from Caroline Wilson, founder of the renowned Belfast Food Tour and Taste and Tour NI, to find out how her career break from the law to pursue her passion for food is going. But before we welcome our first guest, let me tell you how to get in touch with me here at The Best Possible Taste. You can make contact by emailing me, s.nunan at live.ie, or you can tweet me at Queen of Org, as in Queen of Organisation, and I'm also on Instagram at Sharon J. Noonan. So a few years ago here on The Best Possible Taste, we heard from Johnny McDowell, who is the founder of Indie Food, an independent deli and online store in Northern Ireland. Tonight, I'm joined by Laura Bradley to find out how the business has developed since its inception. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Laura, you're very welcome to the programme this evening. It's great to have you here. A few years ago, a good few years ago, we would have had the indie food founder, Johnny, on the programme. And I know the business has evolved substantially since then. But let's go back to the beginning and just give the listeners a reminder about indie food and how it all started. Hi, uh, great to be here. Johnny started the business now it was in 2015 so we're looking at coming up to six years of indie food being in existence and the same ethos since day one everything for us is about local produce so anything you'll find of us is from the island of ireland and sort of six years ago there weren't many people doing that so johnny kind of thought i'm gonna travel around gather all these brilliant products that i know are there but i don't seem to be able to get anywhere close to home and bring them up put them online and take them to markets. Um, At the time, felt like a good idea to stick everything on the internet. But as everybody knows now, people don't just discover you. It takes a lot of of work to get your name out there, which is where the markets came along. And then he opened a pop-up shop then. That was in December of 2015. The first shop um, was a tiny little shop in Cumber. Um, Just one, it's hard to imagine how we kind of, well, how he squidged all the stuff in. Um, I met him in that December and then came on board with the business then in the following May. May tw- well, actually, you know, the May 2017 actually was when I joined the business. And we're looking at now three years of me and Johnny being business partners. We signed the deal on Valentine's Day. We thought it'd be really good for him, really good for social media and whatnot. And yeah, so big changes since then. 
So it's interesting, I think, that the business started online. Initially, Johnny's idea was to do it all online. And as you say, it had to be promoted in some shape or form. So then he went to the markets. And now I feel you have the best of both worlds because you have a permanent retail presence in Comber and you have the online opportunities there also. And most recently, you've opened a second retail outlet. But before we get into that, I want to talk a bit about the Comber premises and the different experiences and collaborations that you've hosted there over the years. Yeah, so we moved into a bigger store then in Cumber um, in early 2018. And that's a, a lovely big shop, which has everything from kind of incredible big cheese counter, lovely sort of local charcuteries, all your all your shelf products or your lovely pantry products. And we have a space there as well that um, unfortunately not this year, but every other year we've done really great events. Um, the education bit is really important to us, letting people know what wonderful products we have, but also what you can do with them, how you can create kind of great meals at home or how it's good to enjoy them. And to get the producers in talking about their products, because um, there's nothing better than getting the passion directly from the producer about how they got into what they're doing. And then local chefs, lots of supper clubs. The supper clubs are really, really popular and so much fun. Um, we work with quite a lot of different chefs. Most recently, Will Brown would be doing supper clubs can two or three times a month with us. I think networking and events are always a great way to spread the word about products and you and Johnny have spent time out on the road all over Ireland and I know I have met you personally in Dingle at Blossnaren whenever they have the annual Irish Food Awards. So you talk about local products but Ireland is local to you in your mind. Oh yeah, um, all of Sort of all of Ireland would be kind of our, our local producers. Obviously, we have some kind of stronger relationships with ones who are right right on our doorstep. But we've had people from all over Ireland travel up to do events with us. Um, Nicola and Devis from Meze came up to do a supper club with us just before they opened their own shop there in Wexford, I think it is. So, you know, everybody, it's like one big family, the Irish producers as you know from Blast, I mean, it's it's the highlight of every year because not only is it an opportunity for so many brilliant producers to get recognition, it's also so much fun because you get to meet all the producers and all of the so many of the judges, you know, like yourself, all of the and the family, you know, Artie and Fallon. It's it's like yeah, it's, it is a big family. It's the best weekend of the year because you discover new producers, but you also get to hang out with all the old ones that are now, now your mates. It's excellent. Yeah, we definitely missed it last year. So hopefully things will be okay this year. The, the coronavirus has presented us all with lots of different challenges. But I think you and Johnny and Indie Food have, have definitely risen to those challenges. And to open a new store in the middle of a pandemic is no mean feat. Tell us about the the new store on the Ormo Road in Belfast. I know it just sounds a bit crazy, doesn't it, to be opening a new store this year of all years? But it had been at the back of our minds for maybe a year now that you know we don't want to expand ridiculously and have stores everywhere, but we really wanted 
more specialist cheese shop and kind of in towards Belfast was always going to be a good place for that. We went to visit the store on Omer Road really at the very start of the pandemic, sort of March time, and just fell in love with it. It's a big sort of three-story old townhouse and there's so much potential there. Obviously, we focused on the ground floor to start with and it's been really, really well supported in the community because not only is it another great place for Click and Collect, where we can kind of provide a good service to the local people there to be able to come and come and get some great food with a very low level of contact. Um, people also want treats. I mean, they really want to get out there and get some really good grub for their weekend because their normal life is upside down, as we've all found. So tell me what different offerings you have now that you maybe didn't have 12 months ago that you've introduced to the product range um, that people would have gone into the shop before browsed, filled their basket with all their, their favourite products. But you're probably putting different packages and hampers together now. Yeah, there's certainly a really big growth of online. At the kind of start of everything, you know, March time, um, we had to diversify really, really quickly, which I suppose being a small business, then, you know, that's a, that's a benefit because you're able to speak to all of your team in one go and try and find ways that we can kind of help out and still be able to get the food out there and support all the producers that, you know, are having a really tough time because suddenly a lot of their, a lot of the people who purchased, a lot of the restaurants just kind of disappeared. So the home delivery has been a really big thing for us and it still is, um, but particularly at the start, Suddenly people were kind of wanting a lot more kind of fresh meat. We work with a local butcher for some really, really great Dexter beef and really great local veggies um, and all that kind of proper grocery shopping, whereas prefer, like before it get, people maybe would have come to us more for their luxuries, whereas they're a lot more aware that it doesn't have to be expensive to shop local. And it can also be dead handy because you can pick up the phone and talk to me, which maybe you can't do you know, if you're shopping somewhere bigger. You have products from all counties all across Ireland, including Limerick. You stock Cahill's cheese, which would be very well known in, in my part of, of the world. If you had to pick a handful of your favourite products from across Ireland, how easy would that be? Or would it not be easy at all? Oh, it wouldn't be easy at all. Because um, I think it probably changes from week to week as well. You know yourself, depending on your mood, um, you may be looking for something something different. Um, I suppose the cheese for us is something that we, we really we really love and we have really great producers on our doorstep as well as further afield. Obviously Mike from Young Buck and Newtonards, you can you can't keep that cheese on the counter. You know, we're so lucky to kind of count him as a very good friend, so we always have it, but it disappears as quick as it comes in. Um, then we also have, I suppose that Blast showed this year for Johnny and Janice Cuddy from the Spini Chicoudery. It's an excellent product, winning a gold, a silver and a bronze this year. Um, and they've won something every year since they've entered. That's a really excellent product and a really great example of diversification in farming as well. Um, which is wonderful to see and a real privilege to be on that journey with them too. It's overwhelming when you try and break the break the shop down into into individual individual products. I would imagine people are completely spoiled for choice when they go into the shop. 
I think people are surprised, particularly in the Cumber Shop, at the kind of vast array of products. Because we have everything now from you know, really excellent bean-to-bar chocolate from the likes of the proper chocolate company in Dublin and Hazel Mountain in Galway, um, right through to you know being able to buy the foods of Athen Rye, excellent kind of gluten-free products that people you know probably have never kind of even crossed their mind that there'd be a locally produced alternative for them. Um, right down to things that are on our doorsteps, like the different kind of jams and chutneys. And all the international flavours. You know, so many people have moved to Ireland or kind of married somebody from Ireland and are now producing products that are flavours from their home. You know, we are seeing now kind of really great Indian spice mixes from like green saffron and different and different people being inspired, like the white masu, the peanut rayu. You know, that from Katie Saunders is super popular and not something you would associate with Ireland until until now, which is why it's such an exciting place to be. You're making all of those products very accessible to everybody across the island of Ireland and Brexit is one of those words that we don't like to talk about along with the coronavirus but unfortunately it is a reality for a number of businesses. How have you found Brexit to, um, has it it affected the, the business adversely? I suppose it, it's been a tricky year, hasn't it? Well, previous year and coming into this year, there's been so many challenges and then Brexit on top of that has knocked a lot of people for six. We're quite lucky in that we can still obviously trade with Ireland very easily and with and with the UK, and that would be the core of our market, really. Um, so actual food producer-wise, we're, we're still do, doing really well. We have no barriers at all. Where you are seeing the knock-on effects are further down that chain. So the producers perhaps can't get the, the bottles that they usually put their, put their product into. Um, maybe one of the ingredients in something is imported and that's become a big problem for some people. And even down to cardboard, our hamper boxes, I mean, everything takes so much longer and it's harder to, harder to get together just because of little, little tweaks down the chain. But hopefully that'll all iron out with time and... If anything, it just makes people aware of everything they can get on their doorstep. Absolutely. Well, if anybody listening wants to gift themselves a nice hamper or send it to a loved one, what advice would you give them? Jump onto the website, um, indiefood.com, indiefood.com, and have a look at the hampers we have there. There's everything from things for people with a really sweet tooth, full of really great sweets and chocolates and nougat and fudge, onto kind of really, are obviously really great Irish cheese and charcuterie. And you can kind of pop a nice message on there. We're seeing so many heartfelt gift messages at the moment. Um, food's such an excellent present because you enjoy it. And maybe you wouldn't buy it for yourself, but you know, you, you keep it there, you enjoy it for a few days. And it's not more stuff in your house either, you know. We're all trying to be a bit more conscious about what, what we do at the moment. And food ticks those boxes, particularly when you're supporting so many people in one go. Absolutely. Well, fabulous to talk to you this evening, Laura. Be sure to give our regards to Johnny and continued success. Thank you very much. Lovely to speak to you. 
You're listening to the best possible taste on West Limerick 102FM. Welcome back to the best possible taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break we caught up with the indie food story thanks to Laura Bradley. If you are just tuning in now and you missed that you can catch the best possible taste on West Limerick 102 FM when it's repeated on Wednesday mornings at 8am and the podcasts are available to listen to on my website SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes and the podcast app. Still to come tonight, Caroline Wilson, founder of the renowned Belfast Food Tour and Taste and Tour NI will be joining us to tell us how to enjoy Belfast in a box and lots more. Next though, if you like to indulge in the odd spirit, you'll be very interested in my next guest. The award-winning Morn Dew Distillery produces gin, whiskey and poaching. Yesterday I spoke to head distiller and blender Donald Farrell after a busy Valentine's weekend. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Donald, you're very welcome to the best possible taste. I'm sure you've had a busy weekend now with Valentine's Day. You were doing a lovely hamper. But before we get more details about that, will you just tell us a bit about Morn Dew and how it all started? Yes. Uh, our, our distillery, it, it, it's a project that's been on the go for actually quite a few years now. and um, started off as a desktop project for several years for myself and... Uh, a colleague of mine, he's a friend of mine, he's now a business partner. Uh, we developed an interest in vacuum distillation as an academic exercise. The vacuum distillation is a very interesting process because it basically subjects the molecules to a lot less pressure and heat than uh, conventional distillation. So if you think about putting an orange into a conventional still, what you're going to do is you're going to end up with uh, marmalade flavors because there's going to be like Maillard reactions going on and the flavor molecules are going to get hit by heat and pressure and degraded. And we thought, well, what about vacuum distillation? Because vacuum distillation is used at forensic laboratories to extract DNA and when you use it for DNA extraction, the point of that is that the molecules, the very complex DNA molecule stays intact. So when you apply the same process to effectively cooking, which is what you're doing when you're distilling, um, you get all these delicate flavors from botanicals that would otherwise be destroyed in, in conventional distillation. So we started this project several years ago, uh, make, make, making these flavors, and that's what was into our gins. Parallel with that, we were doing a lot of research on our continuum and doing a lot of research at Queen's University on um, maturation techniques for putching and for whiskey. Um, the first fruits of that uh, are evident in our putching spirits and uh, our whiskey spirits. Uh, although the whiskey spirit, our, our whiskies are really just conventional whiskies, but our putchings are showing the sort of cutting edge that we're working on with both maturation and uh, vacuum distillation to, to, to produce what we think are pretty unique spirits at the moment. So the poaching sounds particularly interesting because there is a perception that it's illegal. But before you tell us a bit more about that, what you've just said there is all very scientific. Have you got a? Are you a scientist, or what's your background? No, my background is legal. Hence, I was aware of the uh, the, the the use of vacuum distillation and forensic laboratories for DNA extraction. Uh, 
my colleague Noel. Um, Noel would be a chemist by profession, so Noel would have uh, a, a proper insight in, into how vacuum distillation works. Um, so, so no, the, the short answer is no, I'm not a chemist. But you certainly have all the technical lingo there. At this stage, yeah, at this stage, I've, I've been working. We've been working on it for years and, and reading, reading voraciously on many uh, scientific literature that we could find. So, yeah, probably I'm pretty keyed into it now. Now, I have a bottle here of the Puka Irish Pochine Hazelnut Liqueur from Mornjew Distillery. Tell me about this product. Well, that is actually a pretty unusual product. Um, that is a synthesis of both the vacuum distillation and the accelerated maturation techniques that we're working on. So, it's we're we're taking we're taking our punchings. Uh, we're uh, we're also taking hazelnuts. We roast the hazelnuts, grind them up, soak them in the punching for for a, for a quite a period of time. Then we filter out the uh, residue of the solid hazelnut and the punching liquor that's left. It goes into a vacuum still. Now, if you put it into a into a conventional still, you'll get this horrible, messy, oily glare because there's an incredible amount of oil in a hazelnut, and that oil comes out when when you boil it. But when you put it into our vacuum still, and the stills that we have are stills that we've designed ourselves, so we distill at two percent of atmospheric pressure, but again in outer space, um, the the uh, the liquid boils at about minus three centigrade. It runs through condensers, which are set to minus 40 centigrade. And what we get off is a hazelnut tincture potching. So a very strong hazelnut flavor from the potching. We then blend that um, with uh, our other, with, with, with a pot still potching uh, that we use. Um, the pot still potching itself, uh, we have to vacuum the still because there are unpleasant flavors in potching. And that vacuum distillation process will take those out, whereas a conventional uh, pot still process won't. So effectively, you're then blending that. You're you're blending hazelnut punching. You're blending conventional punching, and then we use a sweetener. Um, and we, we do have a sort of. We went through a lot of different types of sweeteners. Um, we, went, we tried sugar. We, we, we tried um, beet. We, we tried fructose. We eventually decided on a particular of maple syrup, which has terrific mouthfeel. So what, what, what you're getting is a, is, is, is something unusual. The only thing we can compare it to probably is Frangelico, uh, the Italian liquor. And when you compare our uh, punching to the Frangelico, if, if you do a sort of like-for-like -like tasting, uh, you'll find that there's a lot more richness and complexity in the hazelnut punching than there is, than there is in the hazelnut uh, liquor from Italy. But is poaching not traditionally made with potatoes? No, no. Well, that's that's a that, that's a sort of false fact. Um, traditionally, well, the, the man you have to thank for the poaching uh, industry in Ireland is Henry VIII. Um, Hen Henry VIII, as you probably know from your school days, uh, sort of broke 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 the monastic. Uh, monopoly on distillation um, when, when he disenfranchised the monasteries back in 1541. Now, prior to that point, uh, distillation had been the preserve of the monasteries, and 
and all the spirits that were made were basically being made by monks. So all these monks were put out on the road, and effectively what happened was they had to earn a living somewhere, and the only thing they could do was distill. So they brought this expertise in distilling to the laity, and in the case of Ireland, that was a pretty sort of thirsty lady that they were catering for. So touching started to grow as a sort of an industry in Ireland from the mid 16th century onwards. Um, because Ireland was a lot more, maybe lawless isn't the right word, but it was certainly beyond the reach of um, the, the powers that be in London and England at the time. So it, it thrived as a cottage industry for centuries. It was really only until the 18th and 19th centuries that uh, the sort of long arm of the law started to get a grip on what was happening with Putching. And there were various pieces of legislation passed over the centuries, very, of very ineffectiveness, but some, some worked, some didn't. But the main idea was to raise money for financing war and to bring the population to, to heal uh, with, with different legislation. Um, so Putching probably reached its golden age in the late 18th century, around the time of the United Irishmen, and then started to decline as control became more and more strict from the sort of 1820s onwards, to, this, to the extent that what was a, once considered a much superior drink of whiskey became a, really a drink of the shadows and a drink of uh, sort of last resort. Uh, for, for many of the population, uh, but I mean, for, for, for years, Putching, because Putching makers didn't pay a tax, they didn't have to make the cost savings that the whiskey makers had, so there was a derogatory term developed for whiskey, which is called Parliament Whiskey, and a Parliament Whiskey was a whiskey where the tax was being paid to the Parliament, and that, that basically meant that the, those distillers and whiskey makers were cut in corners, whereas the Putching guys were free of that particular cost burden and they were able to produce a better product as a result. But it was only really when it was driven underground that things like uh, potatoes became were being used. The best punching was always made with, with grain, with, with barley, rye, wheat. How is it best served? So you mentioned there about the Italian version of it. Is it just over ice or would you mix oh, yeah. it? Some, some people like it over ice, some people like it neat, very nice neat. Um, some people like it in an espresso martini. Um, if, if you Google an espresso martini uh, recipe, you, you'll find you can easily modify it to, to incorporate the hazelnut punching. Um, one particular favourite um, that we have found, and we sort of we stumbled on it uh, by accident, but um, it's a layered cocktail using uh, Irish cream uh, liqueur, let's say like something like Cool Swan or Bailey's. So what, what you do is you, you put the Cool Swan or the Bailey's in the, or the cream liqueur, not advertising anybody else's product. Um, if you, you put that in the bottom of a small glass, like a shot glass. You then use a cocktail spoon, uh, you know, a long spoon that you, you pour down and you take your hazelnut punching. Now you have to chill the hazelnut punching um, to make it syrupy. Uh, in a normal freezer it won't freeze solid but it will free, it, it will become syrupy and uh, easier to pour. And when you pour that down your cocktail spoon you will find that it layers on top of the, of the Baileys and when you get that 
knack of pouring it properly. Uh, you, you get a perfectly layered cocktail, uh, which is really, really nice. So when you drink the cocktail, you, you drink the uh, hazelnut fudging first, and then you drink the uh, cream liqueur underneath. Um, I probably should add, maybe in case somebody thinks that the touching is like rocket fuel, it's not, it's 35% in this case. So while it's reasonably strong, it, it, it's not fire water. So it's on a par then, in fact, is it, it's probably, it's not as strong as your your gin. We're going to talk about your gin now, the Kilbrony gin that you do. Yes. Um, yes, the Kilbrony gin, that's, that's, uh, that's an award-winning gin by... Uh, came first in the world with our one of the major gin competitions, the Gin Guide Awards. Um, it was considered best contemporary gin. It, it's made um, by a combination of conventional distilling and vacuum distilling. Um, so when 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 you taste gin uh, and you taste it at competition, there's a flavour wheel that people will score marks for the gin. So. There will be various components in the flavor. One is juniper, obviously, which uh, juniper is communist, is the uh, botanical that makes gin gin. Everything else is, is, a, is sort of as a bonus, but juniper is the key ingredient. So you have a flavor of juniper, you then have citrus flavors, and in our case, we use a, a range of citrus uh, fruit to make a citrus flavored tincture, which we blend in. You have floral. In our case, we, we use uh, rose petals and make it an absolutely beautiful rose petal tincture. It's that beautiful, uh, people have encouraged us to release it on, our own, on its own, so we're just about to release it as a rose petal vodka in the coming weeks. Um, you then have herbal. Uh, we have a range of herbal flavors made, uh, and some of those go into the uh, Kilbrony. And you then have spice, and we use a combination of two peppers. We, we use a cubeb, and we use a grain of paradise, uh, and both of those produce uh, a very spicy, very hot alcohol, which is sort of very, very nice on, on, on the on the tongue. You know, it, it it catches you for a couple of seconds, and then it goes away. Now, what what we do as what what we do as well with our Kilroni is. We intentionally make it very high in esters, and an ester is uh, it's a fine oil. So if you think polyester, polyester is a long chain ester, but they, these are not polyesters. These are simple esters. We, we make them. We, we make our gin with as much ester as we can get into it. If you put in too much, the gin goes cloudy. But we keep ours on the clear side of cloudy. And the point of the ester is that it makes the gin very smooth. So even though you might take our gin at 42% and you could drink it neat, you would not find it astringent on the tongue. Uh, you would think actually it is very, very light, and that's because of the esters. The esters coat the tongue. Um, so it, it means that when we're, when we're doing a serve on the gin, um, we, we recommend that it be served, first of all, with a slice of orange, with a light flavor tonic, so it's not to interfere with the flavor of the gin, and also with a green olive. And the reason for that is that the, the, the orange cuts through the oil and the, top, the, the olive, the green olive is salty. So the saltiness of the olive combines with the sweetness of the orange and the tonic and the oiliness of the gin to, to give you a very, very pleasant taste sensation. 
Now I mentioned at the start there about Valentine's weekend and you doing hampers. I would imagine that in normal times your route to market for these products there's a certain way to get them out there but obviously in the past 12 months we've seen huge changes in the world, global changes because of the, the coronavirus. So doing um, products like doing the hampers for example is maybe something that you, you wouldn't normally do and then also of course the hand sanitizer you started doing hand yeah. sanitizer last year yes the, the hand sanitizer is actually is actually gin that doesn't make it into a gin bottle um, when, when you're distilling gin there's a sweet spot in the distillation period and that produces the best quality gin um, when you start getting beyond a certain point in the distillation process off flavors start coming into the liquor and it's just not as nice it's perfectly palatable in terms of gin but it's just not as nice so in our case what we do is we we, we make the cut and the gin that doesn't go into the gin bottle or go into the blending of the gin uh, ends up in hand sanitizer because we then take it and we redistill it to make sure it's uh, full strength so uh, if you notice our hand sanitizer san our hand sanitizer is 80 percent abv and um, that's really being made from gin, um, so I wouldn't recommend you drinking menu, but uh, yeah, that's what it is. It's it's failed at gin. And how have you found the past twelve months? Uh, the whole thing's been pretty bizarre. Um, that's just putting it uh, mildly. Um, our our customer base kind of collapsed at one stage because uh, we weren't so much an off license spirit as we were more sort of bars, restaurants, uh, hotels, you know, that we were in that sector. Uh, so we had to reposition ourselves very quickly. And um, now we're, we're sort of, we're quite healthy in, in the off trade and we're starting to export. Um, we are supplying now to distributors in France and we're shortly going to be uh, supplying through a range of uh, distributors in the United States uh, and, and we, we expect to be shipping to China before uh, the ca this calendar year is out. Uh, so so it, really, it really has been a refocusing of the business but um, you know must do you know you know they, they, these things happen and um, you, you, you can't sit in your hands you just have to react as, as positively as you can. Well, it sounds like the the future is bright when you're talking about exporting to China and you're bringing on your vodka in a in a few weeks. In the meantime, if anybody wants to to get their hands on your poaching or your your gin or whiskey, where's the best place for them to go to get it? Well, it depends where they are. Um, but if, if, if they want to go online, it, all they have to do is go to their computer. Um, we do have an online shop at morenju.com. And everything's on there, and as we bring out new products, the online shop is the first place that you'll see them. Uh, because it, it, whilst it physically takes time to distribute a new product uh, to distributors and to retailers and to wholesalers, um, once 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 it's in existence, it's up on the online shop right away. And um, so, so, for instance, our our rose petal vodka will be on our online shop probably. Before the end of this week, certainly before the end of next week, um, just as soon as we can get the labels on the printers. Fantastic. Well, listen, thanks very much for talking to me today about it. It's been great to hear the whole story and the history of the watching, and we wish you continued success with it.
Thanks very much. I, 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 I've been writing the history of blockchain for this past several months, and we, we, we have a newsletter that we issue from the distillery here, and I, I've been trying to write the history of blockchain and do some research, and it's been absolutely fascinating. It's, it's been an education for me. So if people want to, to get their hands in the newsletter, is there details on the website? Yeah, they can subscribe. Great. Thanks a million. Absolute pleasure to talk to you, Sharon. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and tonight we're talking to a trio of food and drink heroes from Northern Ireland. Just before the break, we heard from the Morn Dew Distillery head distiller and blender Donal Farrell. And earlier on in the programme, we were talking to Laura Bradley from Indie Food. If you're just tuning in now, you're very welcome to the programme. And if you want to catch up with the best possible taste, the repeat is on Wednesday mornings on West Limerick 102 FM at 8 o'clock. And the podcasts are available to listen to on SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes and the podcast app. Now, finally tonight, I'm delighted to welcome back to the show Caroline Wilson. Caroline founded the Belfast Food Tour a number of years ago and co-founded Taste and Tour NI in more recent years. I spoke to her earlier today to find out how she's doing. Let's have a listen. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Caroline, it's been a long time since we spoke and I'd say a lot has changed since the last time we spoke I'll, I'll never forget sitting at home here and listening to BBC Radio Ulster and you saying about you were taking a career break from the law, from being a solicitor, to go full-time with the Belfast Food Tour and you hadn't told your mother. That's exactly right. I still think she's a bit in shock and that's <laughs> many years later. <laughs> and recently she's been telling me I need to just give all this up and go and get a proper salary. <laughs> Well, you don't regret any of it, I would imagine, even with the, the, the current climate that we're living in. No, I think the one thing I've noticed is that if you can get this far and you can survive this far, you realise you can do it off your own bat. And no amount of me not, I think no, I'll always try. I think that will be, and there'll be something if it doesn't work, fair enough, I'll go back, but I'll always give it a go and see what I can come up with. Well, the original concept was the Belfast Food Tour, a walking tour in Belfast where you started in, in St. George's Market, got lo- lots of nice things to eat, went to a few pubs, coffee shops, whatever it was. But to be honest, you had really evolved that business quite substantially even before the coronavirus came. So you were doing a lot of corporate type work and group work and um, Taste and Tour NI was a new arm to the business. So tell us a bit about Taste and Tour. Yeah, so Taste and Tour came about because Phil, who was um, doing some tour guiding with me and a couple of others, we were doing the Belfast Food Tour and he kept going on about how he'd like to join up and do something because he loved it. And his side was the drinks industry more than me, definitely more than me, but as much as I like to drink it, I don't want to think about it. So he had that background and he was also in marketing and sort of branding and whatever. So we had a lot of chats and decided to start Taste and Tour 
and be able to really offer a whole selection of different types of tours. So I think the in the main part and, and one of the, the other most successful tour we have is the Gin Jumped. And that's a sort of a, that's got Phil stamped all over it. So it's a wonderful time around town having a lot of local gins in different places. And then the cocktail circuit we do now as well. And we do crafty beer and street eats. And there's still the food ones, obviously, because the both of us really love to eat and we love to cook. I actually met Phil at the Belfast Cookbook Club that I run. So that's um, our background is both loving food and, and really loving entertaining. So it suited us both to come together so again I persuaded him to leave his full-time job and um, much to his probably wife's worry but she knew that he had it in him and he uh, has he and I have been working together now for a good few years and we have um, yeah there's 18 or so now more guides that were working with us there until as you say the um, end of March last year. I think it is incredible and a real credit to you the way you built the business up and there's such a mark of innovation and creativity there on it. So whenever lockdown came 12 months ago, that didn't stop you in your tracks. You got your thinking cap on and you really pivoted. We had to, we were launching another business um, called Food Day in that every day that has lots of food in it is a good day. And it was self-guided food and drink tours by Appermap. So it meant that people could come in and into Belfast. We had massive waiting lists and it meant they could still come in and get the experience. Only their guide would be on their phone. And it was something that we were hoping to launch. It was originally launched the end of March here. And then it was going to go elsewhere. And also everything was crossed to get it around Europe. And we had put money into that and we could, creating an app costs a lot of money. So we'd been working away and we're ready to go and everything had, I mean, it really had been maybe two years of work. So when this all happened, we not only lost that, but we also lost the ability with Taste and Tour to get any income. And both Bill and I fell through all the cracks because we're one of those um, excluded people that, we pay everyone else off and see what's left at the end. So it really was a needs must. And when everyone else was enjoying the sunshine last year, I just remember kind of rocking backwards and forwards going, what are we going to do? <laughs> you know, we'd just taken on a gigantic new office because we were going to be running two businesses in it. We had two other people working with us, um, actually three. And we, yeah, we had a lot going on. And all of a sudden, just the carpet was pulled out under us so we pivoted in a way that was a bit strange well not strange really but I think strange at the time which was everyone was having meetings by zoom but no one was really having fun on zoom and we have a lot of corporate groups you know and you were talking maybe having taken people sort of 100 people around Belfast and we were doing that and that was normal but I knew coming from a corporate background that there would be a time come Christmas that everyone will be wanting to have fun together but they can't because they're all having to do it apart. So um, kind of just sort of what else was I doing really through um, August? We got a bit of touring, but came up with Party Apart. And the idea with it is a box is delivered to your door and you join us online and you um, create what the contents of your box. And it has taken off like there's no tomorrow. 
Give us a run through then of the party in a box. So it's, you know, it's Monday. If I want to do the party in the box experience this weekend, what's involved? So, well, I would need to get your order a bit before it because couriers at the minute are all very busy. <laughs> so today, for example, I was done um, packing up for, there was um, a company, a couple of companies that were having their cocktail party and masterclass. Um, tomorrow I'm packing up some for who are doing a cook at home pizza and spritz party and they would they get a box delivered with everything from their cocktail mixers to their garnish to their all the ingredients and again we keep we keep as local as we possibly can so we've got short cross in there and boatyard um, vodka as well and there's a whole load of different um We'll have their gin experience going out in a box tomorrow as well, and it's job box. So there's lots of different local products, and we'll use those as much as we can. So then they have their mixers or anything else they need, and other bits and pieces. So uh, we've got it's been great actually having all, a lot of the guys from the hospitality industry here in Belfast because we've been closed for so long. They're able to come and help, and boy, can they pour a lot quicker than I can. So they get that delivered, and then they join us online. And one of the hospitality people that I was just mentioning, they're also hosts. Um, they're hosting it, but they were also guides with us. So it means that the guides also are able to take part in this because that was another loss to them for their income as well. So they get everyone organized. And I have to say, probably the most uh, let's say popular cocktail in amongst them all, which I think has become a surprise to people, is the whiskey sour but over christmas we made it like a little bit of a taste and tour spin on it so it was more christmasy and we did that we're trying to do seasonal as well so there's always a different type for people so we've had so many repeat customers too and all we need is your addresses and that's it we'll get it delivered last week i was on a zoom a webinar zoom um with Fulcher ireland and Paulo Cornelia, who is one of the travel writers, an independent travel writer, would write for National Geographic and The Independent, who I'm sure you know well because he put up as an example Belfast in in a box. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah we did that Christmas, we did the Belfast food tour in a box for people because we have loads of people with vouchers and, you know, there are people who are shielding and everything else and they couldn't get out and they can't get out to experience it. So we delivered it to them and... We gave them all our, as I like to call it, witty blurbs. So it was all the background on the products as well, that they were able to then enjoy it and discover lots and lots of food and drink that they would have had on the tours, but just delivered to their door. And the one thing that struck me about the image you put up up was the actual box and the branding on the box, because coming from a marketing background myself, packaging, distribution and all of that are, are huge elements of marketing. But whenever you're the person sitting at home waiting for the delivery, you have no understanding or concept of what work goes in to the details, the finer details of that delivery. So for somebody who was doing tours, like face-to-face, engaging with people face-to-face, where packaging wasn't necessarily to to the forefront of your mind 12 months ago you really had to go and research and identify and I don't know about in the north of Ireland but certainly down here there was a shortage of packaging 12 months ago whenever the the, the first lockdowns came what challenges did you encounter from that side 
I'm laughing because I now have, you know, the little shortcuts on your screen, on your computer screen, that, you know, mine would have usually been the bank and the booking system for the tours and whatever. And now it's a local packaging company here because I'm obsessed <laughs> with packaging. I'm also obsessed with trying to keep it as local as possible. So I have two of them here that I use. And as well as that, though, we are putting things into little bottles. We're doing food. We started this off to get at the very beginning before the restaurants get go, got going with a thing called a Friday Night Delight. So we were looking at cookbooks again because of Bill and I um, and our background. So we were we decided to take some of the favourite dishes from our cookbooks and package those up um, for people just to have to heat it, enjoy it and get some cocktails too. But that was a nightmare more than anything. It was the food the food containers. So all these restaurants that are doing it, I my hats go off to them really with the amount of packaging that needs to be done with that. It's really dull until you realize how much this changes your working experience and also how that goes on whenever you're looking at thousands and thousands of these things. But um, I got a, I was very lucky to get the people um, locally here and then we um, were able to really have a look at what we needed. But it's, boy, do you learn. We broke two couriers along the way and we're now under our third one and you definitely get what you pay for when it comes to a courier. and the reliability and the fact that things will not arrive looking like it's been driven over twice and kicked about the room. Uh, and even in terms of whenever you need it to arrive, that it's like it's no good in a Monday morning, you need it on a Friday. Yeah, um, we had a lot of that, particularly for Christmas. And also we were doing parties that people were gathering, you know, they were coming online at say six o'clock on a Thursday. And if one box hat didn't arrive, it was a failed event. And that's, the, you know, because that one person who's in the team, and you could be talking, we had one event with, there was over, um, we had over, I think it was 800 people, and we had to get boxes out to every single one of those people for a specific time, and each one of those boxes, well, not every single one, but most of those boxes had different contents. Again, it's all very dull until you're doing it, and I have to say, I think December November and December pretty much broke me, but really what could else could we do? We just have to get on with it. You learn when you do. <laughs> so plans now we're in in we're coming into spring, Easter, Mother's Day, Father's Day, all of that. What have you got in the pipeline? Well, we are really enjoying our public virtual events as well. So we've been doing, we did a wine tasting there to celebrate uh, Beaujolais Nouveau. So we did a Bobo Nouveau night in uh, November and that was French wine tasting and nibbles and everything delivered out. So that, I loved it. And um, we actually have Susan Boyle who's been helping us. I know you'll know her. I actually, I'm high, and you and I have both been down to Ballymaloe. So we, I had, I had met Susan down there and I had her up to do her wine geese, um, wine geese chase up here. So she was um, free, luckily enough, because she's also in Kildare and she's in um, lockdown. So it's been great. We've had Susan online and these, we have a Spanish night that went up for sale and sold out in an hour. And the Italian one we put on, we thought that better put that on. And sold it out the next day in the morning it was sold out so those ones are great and i hope to do more of those and along those lines and then i'm hoping um a couple i've got kind of ideas for maybe tacos and tequilas and a bit of fun you know just because i think we did a burns night one as well and it was great 
think people are just so desperate to do something that they don't mind that it's different and suddenly you're online looking at people dressed up as inflatable snails and frogs at a, at a wine tasting and they're going this is fun you know and we had live musicians on our burns night and it you know it was great and is it just for Northern Ireland or do you have people well, from beyond Northern Ireland or do the couriers make that a bit challenging? Um, again, it's couriers and also I think illegally we can't transport over across the border either. So and with Brexit, it's turned into a bit of a nightmare getting things over to England too, because the good couriers are busy. So we are hoping to do that and as of, I think next month we've got an event with Visit Belfast and I've promised them that I'm going to get everything over to England. So that's when I get off the phone to you, I'm going to be sorting that out. Fingers crossed, we'll get across, we will. I, that's that's very much in the plan um, to get across because there are lots of people working offices up here too where their team uh, members are looking for this and we've turned away a lot of business for it. I never doubted for one minute that you would rest on your laurels, Caroline. I knew you'd be morning, noon and night thinking and planning and plotting. And I'm delighted to see that your business is going from strength to strength. It is richly deserved because you do work so hard and your passion for the food and drink industry in Northern Ireland is really commendable. And that's why you won the, the local food hero a few years ago, I'd say you're in line for another few awards whenever this is all over. We'll keep in everyone's up for an award when this is all over. <laughs> we, were, we were just saying before we came on here, just I think everyone is really working against all odds and doing whatever they can do to get on with their own uh, work that they enjoy and want to get on with. Well, listen, it's been great to catch up with you. Thanks a million for talking to me today because I do know you're incredibly bu busy and we'll keep in touch. Thank you for thinking of me again and it's really, it is lovely to catch up over the years and just see where this goes but um, yeah, I hope everybody, we can all get back together instead of this whole party apart thing that we can all get together and we will get together at some stage um, if see what else they do down in Bali Maloon, maybe we can get there again. Absolutely, I look forward to it. Thanks again Caroline. Thank you. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. And that brings us to the end of the programme this evening. Thanks for tuning in tonight and to my guests, Laura Bradley, Donald Farrell and Caroline Wilson. Until next week, bon appétit. Do you want to get in touch with the best possible taste? Do you want to come on, share a recipe, review a cookery book or just have a general chat about what you like to eat and drink? All you have to do is get in touch with me, Sharon Noonan, by sending an email to s.noonan at live.ie or send me a tweet at Queen of Org. Bon appétit.